It's good to be back to the show. It's me again, Davis, your host of the Calm 122 podcast. While technological advances have dramatically reduced the cost of multimedia content, media production remains a high-risk and high-cost business. Today, our guest Emma will share her essay on how the media industries handle high-risk and high-cost in the media markets. Do you know how much it costs to produce an episode of Game of Thrones? The number is 10 million. What does the 10 million cost entail? Well, it could include everything from script writing, content licensing, to crew selection, travel accommodations, and post-production CGI. And, plus all of the expenses on marketing and distributions. So, in a word, it is quite expensive to produce TV shows. In the movie industry, the average cost of producing a Hollywood film has also gone up, from 60 million in late 1990s to 200 million recently. The media industry is making a big bet on all of the money spent on the things they produce. In other industries where the price of a product is governed by the invisible hand of the marketplace, that is, supply and demand. Prices go up if there are lots of demands and limited supply, and prices go down if there is an oversupply of a product with too little demand. Yet, the media industry hardly follows this rule. It is difficult to predict the demand for a media product because the tastes of the audience change all the time. And, not to mention that media producers need to deal with a fluid political situation where scandals could hit at any time. Back in 2014, House of Cards was a hit show. Everyone was talking about how it helped Netflix and how big data analytics drive the show's production. In 2018, its viewership hit the bottom after the airing of season 6. It's all because of Kevin Spacey. His sexual harassment scandals cost Netflix 39 million US dollars. So, the question is, how do the industry counter the high risk and high cost? Here are several strategies. Strategy number one. Artificial scarcity. We know scarcity creates demand. If you shop on Amazon and find your favorite product has only a few items left in stock, you probably will feel an urge to order it right away. The media industry can control the availability of information products in the hope the demand will increase if the product is not readily available. Such scarcity is artificial because, in theory, the industry has a theoretically limitless supply of media products. Think about Spotify. With a free account, you can listen to music, but cannot skip songs frequently or listen to your tracks offline. These features are reserved for premium users. By creating the paywall, the media industry creates the kind of artificial scarcity that drives people to pay for content. Strategy number two, economy of scale. This refers to the financial advantage that emerge when the average cost of producing a good decrease as the number of units produced increases. In the media industry, the cost of producing the original or the first copy is higher than subsequent copies. For example, it costs about $10 million to produce an episode of Game of Thrones. The $10 million is the first copy cost, or we can also call it sunk cost, which is irrecoverable costs that are incurred in the production of goods and services. 
The good news is, once the first copy is made, the second, the third, and all subsequent copies are exponentially cheaper to make and distribute. In the digital age, this means copying digital files and making them available on cloud servers. A show may have millions of views and downloads, and each view and download bring money to the industry. The economy of scale is what drives the mass production of media products. But what is more powerful is the third strategy, the economy of scope. This is the financial advantage that emerges from producing a wide range of products, sometimes repurposing components or sharing costs of other enterprises. Have you been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios? It is a theme park based on a media product. Harry Potter started as a novel and has later been adapted into movies, music, theme parks, t-shirts, mugs, and even emojis. What is selling here isn't the original Harry Potter fiction but the cultural symbols the fiction creates and its trademarks and copyrights owned by media companies. Strategy number 4. Intentional Overproduction do you know that most media products are mediocre and not hugely profitable? Those that make the headlines and bring lucrative revenues are the small minority. In Hollywood, for example, 25% of the revenue is created by the top 1% of films. Given the low chance of success, the industry overproduce media content in order to beat the odds. Strategy number 5. Media Conglomeration. Have you noticed that you have more and more media choices? In the streaming video industry alone, you have Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, YouTube, Sling TV, Roku, the list goes on and on. If you flip channels on your local cable TV, you will be overwhelmed by the choices of channels. But, do you know that this might just be an illusion? This is because more and more media companies and outlets are owned by a small number of conglomerates. In 2011, about 90% of media outlets in the U.S. are owned by six companies. In the 1980s, the number was 50. So, what has changed? As corporates become bigger, they want to have more control over the industry, and they want to venture into new industries. Forming media conglomerates can help cut down the cost and eliminate potential competitors. There are two types of media conglomeration. First, vertical integration. This is a form of conglomeration, in which companies seek control by acquiring firms at different levels of the production and distribution of goods or services. A quick example is Amazon. It owns your bookstore, your online marketplace, it has video streaming services, audiobook apps, and producers. It also owns your grocery store. The CEO of Amazon also owns Washington Post, a flagship newspaper in the nation. The second type of conglomeration is horizontal integration. A recent case is the merger between Sprint and T-Mobile. Both are telecommunication companies that provide wireless services. They operate on the same level and in the same industry. This will be considered a horizontal merger. Moving on to strategy number six. Windowing. It is a strategy to maximize the number of windows or markets to distribute the same product. Think about your favorite movie. 
It will hit theaters first, and then it becomes available on Netflix, Amazon Videos, Hulu, or iTunes Store after a while. Later, the movie might be aired on cable channels and public broadcast channels even decades later. Media products have pretty long longevity in terms of revenue generation. But, with Netflix, HBO+, Hulu and all the streaming services out there, do you think the traditional windowing strategy still makes sense? Strategy number 7. Cross-promotion. This is no stranger to everyone. You often see movie directors, anchors, actresses, or book authors appear on talk shows. They can promote their own works while boosting the shows they appear on. The voice you just heard is Emma. She will join us live in our future episodes to continue the conversations. I am sure there are many more business strategies to keep the media business afloat. Still, we haven't had a chance to discuss the single most important strategy of all time, globalization. That will be the topic for next week. Stay tuned.